0: Good morning. Um, as you guys will find out, we've been through a whole lot. <laughs> We're going to go back to uh, 2011 when I got a phone call around 10 o'clock at night and him, my son's best friend said that he had uh, been in an accident. We didn't believe him because sometimes they just like to joke around with us, but he insisted and said where he was being going to UMass So we headed to UMass and found that he crashed his motorcycle. Um, The doctor said he was lucky to be alive because when he was thrown, he was thrown from his bike, and instead of hitting his chest or his head, which would have killed him instantly, his leg hit the pole. And of all things, he landed in a briar bush. So that added insult to injury. But thank God, that's all I kept saying, but God. He had to go eight hours of surgery on his leg and rehab, but he was going to be okay. Three months later, <laughs> what a year this was, in October I found out I had breast cancer. That was a rough thing. Um, and when I went for surgery, because they thought it was in one, they did an MRI and found out it was in the other. The um, uh, mammogram missed it. So the year of 2012 was a really tough year. I had to have both of them removed, one at a time, and I underwent undergone about six surgeries. I definitely had a hard time praising God through that. I just, I loved singing. I grew up singing. I, I just couldn't do it. It wasn't until um, um, there was another one but God, once I started praising him. That's when I knew I was going to be okay. About two years later, my hubby was diagnosed with melanoma. There were lots of why God. We still kept going to church, praying and reading his word. I had peace in that, and I knew that he was going to be okay. In 2015, my hubby began to notice he couldn't do different things. That began our journey of finding out why. Um, I, no- I first noticed his hands. Um, he was having trouble, something with his hands. He couldn't jump, and he had a hard time speaking. So we were trying to figure out why. Um, he was going to therapy for speech, just trying to help him. And our youngest son was getting married in October of 2017. He wanted to surprise him with being able to sing. With God's help, In therapy, he was able to sing the song they always sang together when he was a little boy, Barney. (laughs) The next year, we finally found out they had Parkinson's disease, and that brings us to today. We struggle with the why God. I don't understand, but I am seeing God in this. We may never know why, but I can look back and see God in everything our son came um, back to the Lord and with his girlfriend. And in 2016, they were both baptized and later married. Yes. In that same year. <laughs> and I will admit, my husband and I had trouble. And uh, when we first got married, we had some trouble. It's a hard thing when you first get married. But we had stopped going to church for a while. But God... When we had kids, we went back to church and kept close to God. And here we are. We will be celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary on New Year's Eve. (laughs) We have awesome kids God is blessed with who are married. They have their own homes. And we have a grandbaby. (laughs) We are just so blessed. And I read Psalm 91 a lot. Um, I really, really have loved that um, scripture. It's something I go back to again and again. God loves us so much. Sometimes things happen to us. He never causes it, but sometimes he just has to let it happen. Um, in your storm, ple- keep praising and seeking God, and he will be there right with you. I have a couple of verses. Proverbs um, 5 and 6. Okay, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. And I have Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways, and he will guide you on the right path. And then I have John, if I can find it, 16, 33. I have told you these things, so in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Amen. Songs are what really got me through. My mom loved the song, Whom Shall I Fear? Those angel armies. She reminded me that God's angel armies go before me and who stands behind me. The God of angels' armies is always by my side every surgery, anything I had to go through. She just kept reminding me. Chris Tomlin, I guess, is the one who got me going the most. His songs really spoke to me. It's where I kept listening to the one the most was, how can I keep from singing? There, I, I would like to re- end with this with this song I want to read to you because the words in it just kept echoing in me and got me through all my surgeries and my cancer. There is an endless song that echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring, and though the storms may come, I am holding on to the rock I cling. I will lift my eyes in the darkest night, for I know my Savior lives. I will walk with you knowing you'll see me through and sing the songs you give. I can sing in the troubled times, sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step. And I fall down again. I can sing because you pick me up. Sing because you're there. I can sing because you hear me, Lord, when I call to you in prayer. I can sing with my last breath. Sing for I know that I'll sing with the angels and the saints around the throne. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the king and it makes my heart want to sing. Thank
1: you have no idea. have no idea. Oh my gosh. Isn't it a blessing to hear from saints? You see every week them up at the altars and they're praying. Now you know their story. Stories are powerful. And sometimes the things that we're going through, we think makes us less than um, uh, useful to the body. We keep thinking that until this gets rectified in my life, then God's going to use me. No, God uses us through the walk, through the valleys, through the mountaintops. He uses us all the time. Your story is powerful. I want to just take a minute. I was just talking to my husband. There was a lot in there. There was a lot in there. But the why God, why God? I want to just take a minute, and we're going to respond. We're just not going to sit here, and it's not an audience. I want you, how many of you have in your life right now, why God? Why is this happening? I don't understand. I don't understand. How many of you derived some encouragement from that? What I loved about it was she also told you how she walked through it, not like this. And that song is one of my favorite songs. And nobody ever did it in church, but I always, how can I keep from singing your praise? I really encourage you to lift, uh, pull that song up and listen to it yourself. But we're going to take a minute now, and we're just going to pray. If you're couples, you have a child maybe, or there's a health issue, I want you just to grab hands with your, with your partner, or if somebody's on your heart this morning, just, you know, lay, go lay hands on them and pray. But we're just going to take a minute. We're going to respond. Thank you, Lord. Just bow your heads right now. Hallelujah. Why, God? Why, God? Why, God? Father, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for one another. We thank you for your faithfulness to encourage us and to know exactly what to speak, Lord, in the middle of our why, God's. Lord, some of us have just accepted what's going on, and we just, we gave, up, we gave up. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room, Lord, that has given up, placing their hope in you. Lord, I pray that right now that your Holy Spirit would just blow through this room, and that, Lord, that you would, Lord, fill every heart, that there would be a, a jumpstart, Lord God, in people's hearts today to believe you, Lord, no matter what they're going through. Father, I am asking, God, that you would move in every circumstance, in the every why, God, moments, that, Lord, that you would show, Lord God, either the answer, Lord, that maybe they're right on the verge, Lord, and, God, I pray that they would feel that anticipation of you about to move. I pray that there would be a peace, Lord God, if if the timing is not yet, Lord, but that, Lord, that they would walk, Lord God, not just accepting everything, but learning to pick up their word, and to quote the word, and to believe the word, and to sing, and to praise you, Lord God, in the Midst. Father, let today be a day of lifting, restoring, but Lord, also equipping. Father, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for the Richardson's Sins. Father, continue, Lord God, to have your work accomplished in and through their lives, what they're believing you for, Lord God, whether it be healing, Lord. Father, we, we pray, God, that you would bring it, Lord, that there would be strength, Lord God, and encouragement, Father, as they just served you, Lord, as they just ministered to your body, as they just washed the feet, Lord God, with their own story, God. I pray that you would replace, Lord, and you would replenish, Lord, in their spirits, God, everything that they need. Father, we just ask you, Lord, to be with the next one who will come up now and and share their hearts. And Lord, just let it just keep, uh, prime our own spirits, Lord, as we come before you at the end of this service. We love you and we praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.
2: Next one that's going to be testifying is Carol Caruso. (laughs) Praise God. Amen.
3: When pastor called me and asked me to speak for 15 minutes about my testimony, inside I felt my heart drop. (laughs) And I had a flashback to being in sixth grade and the teacher asking us to write a 100-word essay. (laughs) I graciously said yes, because who says no to the pastor? After I hung up the phone, I called out to God and said, why me? It reminded me a lot of Nancy Kerrigan shrieking in 1994, why me, why me, why me, after Tanya Harding had clubbed her in the knee. My story is not glamorous, but after spending time with God over coffee and Starbucks, yes, I had the Bible out, my pen and paper, and two paragraphs written, it hit me. Someone here today, or at home, Listening needs my story. Or maybe someone at Starbucks needed to see me sitting out in public unashamed with my Bible. God makes no mistakes. His plan rarely is comfortable, and that is what keeps us growing spiritually. This past year has been exactly that, a year of growth spiritually as a mother, wife, daughter, and co-worker. I've become braver with my armor of God on. I've processed more through prayer, Bible study, and opening my Bible and reading it than I did in 20 years of therapy. I was five years old, sleeping on a basement floor with dogs in foster care. because I was caught hoarding food for my three-year-old sister that they were starving. She was 19 pounds. I tried to lie, but they knew and sent me to the basement. I remember I gave up on God in that moment. It took me until I was 16 to reevaluate God's role in my life. At this point, I was able to listen to sermons and go through the motions of church on Sundays. I still didn't know if I'd make it to heaven. I wasn't sure I had been good enough. Nine years ago, we moved into our current home. We had this old man as our neighbor. He reminded us of Wilson from Home Improvement. You know, always calling over the hedge that divides our yard, asking us those questions. My husband would remind him kindly, we believe and go to church. Our children go to Sunday school. We show up every Sunday. But he kept pressing for years as if Jerry Harris's church was the only church that had and knew Jesus. Well, fast forward to post COVID, we entered Jerry Harris's church called Bread of Life, and we found that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we never knew. That day has changed our lives as we knew it. The Holy Trinity was the missing piece to our puzzle. On August 29th, my son, husband, and I were baptized. Although we committed our lives and accepted Jesus as our Savior, our lives have been full of challenges illness, legal battles, family dynamics, career changes. But it's okay. And God is why it's okay. We give it to God. I trust in His plan. I trust in His timing. It's not about me, it's about Him. I don't have the answers, He has the answers. We no longer meet God on Sundays at church. I don't pray just at bedtime. I pray constantly throughout the day. I am constantly talking to Jesus. I didn't realize how lonely life was without Him. It was lonely. (laughs) I felt weak and defeated every day. I didn't know how I was going to get through it. I didn't know how I was going to overcome the challenges he was giving me. When was it going to just be enough? When had I experienced enough? And the coolest thing is that I'm so eternally grateful for is Jerry introducing my children to youth group. Joel and Angie have been a godsend to my family. My son Isaac walked out of church this morning because he knew I was going to ask you guys for prayer for him. Tuesday, we have to walk in to a courtroom. He doesn't deserve this. He's a good kid. But we are reminded a week ago how powerful prayer is. Not a week ago, three weeks ago, I don't know. But, anyways, we were sitting here, my son and I, weeping at at the altar. And I received a text, and my husband, who had been on, on oxygen for eight days, came off from suffering from COVID. And it was the power of prayer. Our family here prayed and prayed and prayed and I prayed and prayed and prayed and my kids prayed and prayed and prayed and we gave it to God. Because we were powerless over it. We didn't have the answer. We didn't have the tools. Our only tool was Jesus. And he answered those prayers. And I believe in that prayer will help us accept Whatever God's plan is for my son, I don't know what it is, but I know that he's going to make it through and he's going to continue to believe, he's going to continue to walk with Jesus. And this is his story. When I prayed to God and when I sat with God about it, God's answer to me was, This is his journey. This is his story, and I trust that Isaac is his son before my son. A mother's love is immense, but God's love for all of us as his child is even greater than that. I can't imagine it, (sighs) and my son's faith has only grown through all of this, last night we went out to friendlies with his best friend and my daughter after galactic bowling and celebrating her birthday. Today she turns 12. Happy birthday, Madeline. <laughs> and he sat there, and he was very persistent that his friend find Jesus, that his friend come to youth group. He's, he's a 14-year-old kid, and he's, he's doing God's work. Despite all the challenges he's facing, he has every reason to say, God, why me? He has every reason to say, God can't be there. Why would he do this to me at 14? But he's not doing that. He's an inspiration to me. And I'm just asking that you all pray that God's will will come, whatever it is. Um. Another thing that I'm grateful for is my daughter, Madeline, who's 12, and her relationship with God. She didn't want to get baptized because she didn't want to commit her life to Jesus because she felt like it was too big of a responsibility, and she was too young, and she still wanted to have fun. (laughs) But the next week, Isaac said, you're coming to youth group with me. I'm going to show you that God is still fun. And he walked her through those doors, and every Thursday night, thank you, Joel and Angie, she says, do I get to go to youth group? <laughs> When's youth group? Mom, what friend can I bring? Yeah. It's powerful. This church has been powerful. God has been powerful. Um, God's been powerful in my marriage um, through all of this. Um. I never prayed with my husband before. He, he bowed his head quietly and said his prayer, and I bowed my head quietly and said my prayer. Um, we didn't know what each other was praying about, um, and many a times we wanted to throw in the towel because marriage was just hard. Um, but since we've allowed God to rule over our marriage and to guide us, we pray together every day, multiple times a day, whether through text, whether through, uh, with, whether at night after we're reflecting on our day as parents, as individuals, as, as husband and wife, we pray together. Prayer is powerful. Um, so I just want to share two of the scriptures that um, I lean on. Um, the first one's Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8. It talks about the different phases in life, I think. I think that that's what it's speaking to me about. Um, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Our family's in a season of drought, but our faith is strong. And then, Mariah, you want to come up here, honey? This is my five-year-old. And her faith is probably one of the greatest I've ever seen. She's a blessing. Mariah's my prayer warrior, and every night, We lay in bed and we read our Bible and we chit chat and we pray. And her prayers are so simple and pure. Just, dear Jesus, thank you for my full belly. Thank you for the floor. Thank you for the roof. Thank you for my cozy bed. Thank you for my family that loves me. Thank you for candy. So Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. Mariah wants to share a song with you guys. Can you do it? All right, go ahead.
4: Read your, read your Bible, pray every day, so you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow.
3: Thank you.
2: Praise the Lord. Jerry, thank you for being that neighbor, that pest, pesty pain. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Our next testifier, and we're so delighted to have them, Bruce and Tony Budrick. Bruce is going to come. Look out. Here he comes. Bruce Budrick. I was going to drop these and say I should have numbered them just to be funny, but... uh (laughs) <laughs> decided not to um you know what a blessing uh to hear these testimonies this morning and uh i am honored to be asked to come up here and share mine and there's so many things that i could share about um god working in our lives um uh, throughout the years you know we, we we've come to the lord and but god really put it on my heart to share my my testimony of how i came to him because uh you know it's 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 a little unique as you'll find out <laughs> um and uh I, I, I wrote this out. I never gave it in public before, my testimony. I gave it in private, and, you know, it didn't matter that it took 30, 45 minutes or whatever. So uh, so I wrote it out and did a little practice run. It took way too long. So I'm going to skip a whole bunch of the details. But uh, <laughs> all right, all right, we gotta right, we've got to leave some time for Joel up here. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it, okay? So I grew up in Stoughton, Massachusetts. I recently just returned from California um, and uh, after being gone for, like, 35 years. I grew up in a, in a good home, a loving home, but it was not a Christian home, you know, by any means. Uh, I have three sisters and a brother. And uh, I can remember being taught in Sunday school uh, evolution. You know, that's not something you normally would be taught in, in Sunday school. Um, you know, it was a Unitarian church in Stoughton. So, um, you know, they, they, I remember they, they were looking for a new minister, and this guy came in, and I said, Mom, how come we don't hire him, you know? They go, He preaches Jesus too much. You know, so, you know, I I think, I think their prerequisite is that Jesus isn't the Son of God, and the Bible's not the Word of God, and after that, you can believe what you want, right? So, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to it. Right after high school, I um I joined the Air Force, so I, I ended up over in England. I had a two-year tour over in England, and uh, I signed at Lakenheath Air Force Base, and you know, it was my pre-Christian days. I didn't know the Lord, so life was a party over there. It was quite a bit of a party. I... uh was definitely not living for Jesus in those days. Um, But, you know, God's always working in our lives, right? So um, it was probably six months before I was getting ready to leave, and I got this letter from my mom. And my mom said that Auntie Alfreda was praying for me, and that I was her favorite, and she was praying for me. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, okay, that's great. Um, A little while later, I was on my way back to the base. I, I had gone off base, and I was driving back, and I thought it'd be nice, and I'd pick up this hitchhiker, right? So this guy's on the side of the road, long hair and a beard, and uh, I pick him up, and he says he wanted to go to the base, and we start driving there, and he starts telling me Jesus is coming back. All right, well, now I'm getting kind of uncomfortable. I hear I was nice enough to pick you up, and you're telling me, preaching Jesus at me, you know. I don't know why it made me mad, but it did, right? So I I said, well, where do you want to go in the base? And he said, the chapel, of course, right? And so... uh, So I I, I get on the base, and uh, I I pull over by the chapel and let him out. And, you know, in England, uh, the steering wheel's on the other side. So when I look in the rearview mirror, it was, uh, you know, over here. I look, and uh, I didn't see him. I turn around and look, and he wasn't there. So I'm like, that's weird, you know. I don't know what that was to this day. Maybe an angel. I don't don't know. You know, that was was just weird. So... um, I got, to the, I got to the snack bar, you know, we were shooting pool and drinking beers, and I just remember telling everybody how mad I was that I was nice enough to pick this guy up, and uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but so um, I get my orders, and I'm going to Sacramento, California, to McClellan Air Force Base, and um, they, they threw a little going away party for me, and like I said, pre-Christian days, I, I had, you know, a lot of mixed drinks. Well, then they they came up with this uh, this Everclear. Have you heard of this everclair one hundred and ninety proof ninety five percent grain alcohol it 's like very potent. They dared me to drink it, and so after drinking all day, I was already quite drunk i probably my my sense of uh, reasoning was gone and, <laughs> and i I downed this i couldn 't even breathe for thirty seconds forty five seconds i could not even catch a breath it was It was that potent. I probably should have died. I guess I was passed out within thirty minutes i was uh they told me stories like hitting someone's foot to get the macaroni salad they were standing on. And I don't believe that stuff. You know, that probably didn't happen. But but I passed out. And the next morning I woke up. And that's a surprise, right, that I woke up after I should have been alcohol poisoning. But it was uh, like no hangover at all. It was a total peace. I was like, I just felt peaceful. It was It was. It was very strange. So, you know, even though I was pre-Christian, God was working in my life. And uh, I get to, uh, I get to um, California. I get to my assignment over there. And uh, I went to this 2951st, it's a combat logistic support squadron, and I was a jet engine mechanic. They said, Budrick, Budrick, we redlined your orders. We, we don't have a slot for jet engine mechanics anymore. We're not going to have them in our squadron. And they redlined the orders four months previous now I know they're a little slow with paperwork, but four months, come on, you know. So, you know, was God in that? Was I there for a reason? You know? And uh two days later, after that, they said, Well, let's get you. Well, I gotta tell this part, I'm sorry, it's just funny. They they, they could not say this today, right? It's a, it's it's woke. But they said they recognized my accent, you know, I parked my car and Javid Yad and stuff, you know. But are you from Boston? You know, and I says, Well, yeah. They go, Boston? Now, now, don't get me wrong. I know they couldn't say this, but this is what they said. I'm just quoting, right? They said, the only thing from Boston is fags and tea bags," and I don't see a Lipton tag on you, you know? <laughs> like, so they, they really made me feel welcome. I wasn't supposed to be there. They said that. They got me a room. Two days later, my roommate shows up. He's this born-again Christian guy, right? This guy, whatever that is, you know? And uh, uh, So Tim... Uh, started sharing you know after he got settled in a little bit he started sharing he got a little brave about sharing Jesus with me. He put little tracks he didn't I told him i didn 't believe you know so he kind of didn 't push too hard but he he put these little booklets out you know and they they talk about you know um, you, you know how how to come to jesus right they um, see things like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that Jesus died for our sins but I remember one of the booklets, right, It quoted uh, Revelation 320. It said, I stand at the door and knock, right? And it says, whoever would open that door, I would come in, right? And it went on to explain in the tract that that's talking about the door to your heart. Jesus is knocking at the door to your heart, and you have to open that door. So I remember reading that, but I wouldn't let Tim know that I was reading these things, right? So I was like, you know, I, I always locked the door so I could read these things, and then if he wouldn't catch me, right? I could hear, I could hear his keys going in the door, and I'm like, okay. And uh, Tim, Tim was uh, really something, though. I, I was on the top bunk. There's two of us in the room. I was on the top bunk, and we had the refrigerator right there. So I'm laying my head on the pillow, and there is this little track. It has like Jesus' arms out and says, you must be born again, Right? And I flip it open, and it, it says, uh, you know, it gives some scriptures about how we've all sinned and the gift of God. And, uh, and then it says, uh, but then it has Q&A, right? Like, um, it says, like, I'm a good person. That's good enough, right? No, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, you know. And it's given, it's given all these, you know, Q&A. And then at the back, it has a little prayer, you know, pray this prayer right now and invite Jesus in your heart. So I would, I would pray it all the time. You know, I would lay there in bed and I would pray that I would say the sinner's prayer, prayer. You know, I called in the name of the Lord, right? I'm supposed to be saved, right? The thing is, when I started reading these and asking Tim questions, Tim said, you know when you'll be saved. I go, how, how will you know? He goes, well, you'll know. You'll know. I'm like, all right. Well, well, I, I prayed the prayer, nothing happened, so I must not be born again, right? So Tim bugged me a lot and, uh, to go to church with them. And finally, one time I thought I'd get off my back if I just went with them. So they had a Monday night singles. In Sacramento, this Capital Christian Center I went to, you know, and the 6,000 people come through there on on the weekend. And uh, the singles ministry started out like 400 at the time I was here, grew up to like 1,200, just the singles in Sacramento coming through a ministry. I went there and I was like, everyone's like praising Jesus and everything. I just felt uh, out of place. I just felt like I'm not supposed to be here. These are, these are good people, and I wasn't a good people. <laughs> so, so, so uh, you know, um, but I went with him at one time, and then uh, he, he started asking me all the time to go. One day I was down in the TV room, uh, you know, with my six-pack of beer and with my friends and stuff, and he asked me in front of my friends, you know, to go. And I, I looked at him. I says, don't you ever ask again because I am never going with you again. And I could see his face. It was, uh, you know, like tears in his eyes, you know. Well, um, so he thought he blew it. He told me later. He thought he blew it. He pushed too hard, and he, and he blew it, right? Well, he went away on a ski trip for the weekend, so he's gone. I have the room to myself. Yay, you know. So um, I went on a motorcycle ride Saturday morning, and uh, you can tell I ride motorcycles, you know. So um, anyway, um, we came back from that little trip, and we we're shooting pool and drinking beer. And one of the guys said, um, use God's name in vain. And this other guy said don't blame the father it's not his fault you missed that shot and I thought whoa I only heard this from Tim who is this guy who is this guy you know I said hey are you a born again Christian and so Bob says yeah yeah I go well forget about this beer forget about pool and that's like what I lived for you know and I says come back to my room and tell me more about this so I get back to the room and he tells me that uh, he had gone to church and he went to the altar and he got born again it was pretty simple. It was like if he gave this testimony, he'd be done in 15 seconds, you know. <laughs> so, so I was like, and he said, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, I'm going to go get born again tomorrow. I had read enough of these facts. I'm going to go get born again tomorrow, right? So um, that night, you know, it started getting to me that uh, I don't even know where I am on that paper anymore. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Um, so anyway, um, that night, you know how the devil gets to you, and I think, oh, well, you got the room to yourself. You got to go out into a club and whatever, you know. So I, uh, I went out to the club, and I remember that this guy had a pitcher of beer. He kept filling my glass, and I would drink a little bit, and I was like, I don't even want any more. And he put, I'd, I'd get it down about an inch, he'd fill it up again. I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, then my sponsor, the guy that brought me to the, you know, brought me in uh, and drove me to work every day until I got a car, until I got a motorcycle, actually, um, he, he brought me, he, he showed up at the bar, right? And he, uh, and I tell him, I go, hey, uh. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to church tomorrow with Bob, and uh, I'm gonna go get born again. So I'm telling this to my sponsor, right? And he goes, "You?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah." And uh, and he says, "Well, I'm the one who drives Bob." So my sponsor, I know this is like three months after I've known him. He drive me to work. I never knew he was a Christian. I go, "Why didn't you tell me?" I I, I said, "Are you a born again Christian?" He says, "Yeah, I am." I'm like, oh, there's another one, you know, there's, it's not, it's not just Tim, you know, there's other people, and I says, why didn't you tell me, and he, and he, and he, and he said, uh, well, I, I wasn't living a good life, I'm not living right, I found out later that his parents were missionaries, you know, and actually, my conversion, as you'll hear, ended up convicting him, and he kind of rededicated a little bit, but I said, you know, he said, I'm not, I wasn't being a good witness, I, said, I don't care about that, if I was to die right now, I'm going to hell, if I was to die right now, I'm going to hell, and I and how can you not tell me about Jesus? You know, I mean, was I ripe fruit or what? <laughs> so so I, I went, I went, uh, I went back to the dorm that night. The next morning I went, I went in, uh, you know, I went to church and I was so ready to be born again that, you know, at the beginning of service they had, there's like 12 pastors there. Right. And they, uh, they all, they all, uh, pray for the sick and they pray for those who need jobs and they just have a time of prayer at the, at the beginning. Well, I went forward to get born again and, uh, they says oh oh well well, well this is this is th- that's not what we're doing right now you know it's kind of like i was so ready to be born again they're like no no you yeah, come back at the end of service you know well, right now we're just praying for i like oh okay you know you're <laughs> go back and sit in the sit in the chair and uh so i, I at the end of service I first went up there you know they gave the altar call and I'm up there and I'm and I'm praying I'm 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 up here at the altar and I'm praying and saying come into my heart. Lord oh, Jesus, come into my heart. I, you know, they, they led me through a sinner's prayer. Um, you know, I'm repenting. I confess my sin. And But, you know, remember what Tim told me? He says, you're going to know? I was like, I mean, you guys all know that those who call on the name of the Lord are saved. And so I already prayed the prayer while I was in my dorm. I went to the altar. I prayed the prayer. I just was waiting for a lightning bolt. You know, I was waiting for, whoa, you know, something that something hit me. It's like, it didn't happen. So I, I kind of like, I stayed there crying my eyes out, you know, for like 20 minutes. Everyone's starting to leave the service, and I'm still here. And they, they're like, well, we've got to leave now. We're going to close up. The lights are going off, you know. So, so I go out to the car. The guys waited for me, fortunately, you know. Um, and I get to the car. They go, oh, how are you doing? I says, I go, not too good, you know. I said, I, I came out here to be born again, and I wasn't. And they said, well, well, there's always next week. And I go, Next week? Next week, if I was to die right now, I'm going to hell. If we got an accident on the way home, I, I was, like, adamant about this, you know. I don't want to go to hell, you know. I, I, so I, uh, we get home, and uh, my remember Tim was away for the weekend skiing. He came dragging back in because he's kind of tired. You've been skiing all weekend. You kind of all, and uh, I says, Tim, I went to church. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He kind of, like, uh, perked up and got all excited. I, I go, I went to the altar. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, but nothing happened. He goes, Huh. You know, and he thought that was really strange that nothing happened to me, right? And so Tim um says, Well, let's pray right now. And Tim's like, oh, fervent prayer. You know, he's like, Jesus, just come into his heart right now. Just you know, he's like spitting when he's praying, you know. What I mean, you know he's really fervent when he's like that, you know. So I don't I, again I don't know where I am on those notes, but uh <laughs> so Tim um Tim says to me, you know, he prays with me and he says, he looks at me and says, Well, said, nothing, you know, and he says, Oh. Well, you know, sometimes it's just God's timing. Oh, here we go again. You know, if I was to die right now, I'm going to hell. I says I'm not. So he he went to bed. I went to bed, and I said, God, I'm not going to sleep. I am not going to sleep till I know that I'm born again. Right. So I'm laying in bed, remembering all the little tracks that I read, all these things. It's just going through my head, and, and you know luke 13 3 unless you repent you too will all perish right so i'm like confessing everything i'm saying i'm saying lord I'll, i'm laying i'm literally laying on the bed crying this is like hours i've gone by hours and i'm i'm holding my hand there and says god I, I'll, I'll stop i'll stop drinking i'll stop smoking i was smoking two packs a day i said i'll stop smoking i'll stop drinking I'll stop swearing. I'll stop looking at pornography. I'll stop chasing the girls at the bar. I'll stop everything, anything I could think of. You know, I just every anything you can think that doesn't glorify God. I was confessing before God, and I'm like, and I'm and I'm and I'm, I'm laying there, and I'm, I'm still. I'm like, I want to be born again, Lord. And I'm crying. I'm just desperate. You know. And then I hear. Um, I know what it was. I'm on the second floor. There's a third floor, and I hear. And know what it was. It was like, you know, one of those plastic weights, cement-filled weights. Somebody was, like, working out up there, and they dropped a weight, and it fell on the floor. But I heard, and guess what God did with that weight falling up there? He brought right to my mind, I stand at the door and knock, right? So that's, so that's going through my mind, and I says, and, I'm, and, and now I'm laying here like this, and I'm, I'm crying, and I hear that. And I says, God, I hear you knocking at the door to my heart. And I says, God, I am trying to open that door. I says, God, I can't open it. I can't open it. I'm trying to open it, God. And I felt a touch on my hand, a literally touch on my hand. And I I thought I, I made too much noise, and Tim got up, you know. I thought I, thought I woke Tim up, and he, and he looked, and, and Tim was sound asleep. There's no one there. And I, and I started realizing, you know, God, you just help me open that door. And I started praising him, and whoosh, you know, I felt like, whoa i just my chest was like you know like all the weight had been lifted off me i got filled with the spirit i got i got i you know the the scripture that says that the the the, that says the the jesus talking to woman at the well says the water i give you be like welling up from within that happened for me it just whoa it just whoa i was just like i had the presence of god was so strong that i don't even remember going to sleep i look over in the clock it's like five in the morning all i remember is just praising god all night long right I got to tell you this next part though, because uh, you know Jesus said, "Go and make disciples." Right? Tim was an awesome uh, man of God. He he gets up in the morning, and I jump off the bed, <laughs> kind of stepped on the dresser, and jumped in front of him, and I says, "Tim, I was born again last night." And he, he kind of was, he looked up, and says, "Oh," and he gave me this big bear hug, you know, just just love me. And and then you know something that's probably not in the manual, right? What Tim what Tim says, he says now, you know Bruce. Satan didn't really care about you before because he had your soul already. You know, but now you just made an enemy. You declared war with God, and Satan's going to come after you. Is that what you tell a brand-new Christian? You know, is going to come after you, right? Right? Well, that's what, that's what, that's what Tim tells me. He says Satan's okay, going to come after you. But he said, he said but listen, listen. 1 John 4, 4, he shows me all these verses right away. I'm just I just got saved. And he's telling me that I got to go to work. It's Monday morning, you know, and, uh, and he's telling me um, he that is within you is greater than he of the world. He that is within you is greater than he of the world. Right. And then he, t- he shows me where it says that uh, s- s- draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Right. And just before that, he says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right. If you resist the devil, he will flee. We have been given this authority over God, and he's telling me this right away. He's telling, He's, and I mean, it was actually really good, you know. I mean, Satan is out to get us once you become a believer, right? But he that is within us is greater than he of the world, right? So I took it when he said that, um, you know, f- this devil will flee from you. It's like punching him in the face, right? So I get up, I get dressed, I get ready to put the two packs of cigarettes in my pocket that I normally have done, you know, for the last five years, and I, I pick them up and he says, I don't need these. And I crumbled them up, a whole carton. I took a whole carton of cigarettes, threw it away. Well, that week, you know, nicotine's addictive, and I, I get these temptations, and every time I had a temptation, I would take my foot and rub it like this, like I was rubbing Satan's face in the mud. You know, I was like, yeah, take that. And so every time I had a temptation, I was like, ha, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't need that. It says he, he, he gave me a temptation, and it backfired, you know. And I was going to be so strong, I was going to leave the bear in the fridge, right, and show that I, I wouldn't drink it. Two days later, you know, Tim had told me, don't give the devil a foothold, Bruce, you know. It's two, two, two days later, 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and God has just convicted me, and I, I get up, bring the six-pack over, and open one by one, dump them down the drain. Tim told me he was laying in bed. He thought he was, I, he was pretending he's sleeping, but he's like, yeah, yeah, you know. You know? So, I mean, I have, I, have, I have to tell you that um, I went in all in for God. I went in, all in. We had every single day of the week I was doing something for God. As soon as I got saved, right, at the altar they gave me this thing, and someday I sh- I actually shared this as a message. The last church I was at, the six things you need to be to, to, once you're saved, you know, spend time in prayer, reading God's word, get baptized, tithing. I could tell you so much about how God's blessed us because I've been tithing right from the time I came to the Lord. Um, get fellowship. You need fellowship to build each other up, and you need to be a witness, so um, that was like my foundation right in. So Monday night, we went to Singles, the ministry. Tuesday and Thursday, we had prayer meeting. These guys had been praying for me for the last few months. I didn't have a chance. The Holy Spirit was all over me. You know, I mean, these guys were praying for me, right? So what am I supposed to do? Wednesday, uh, we, had Sunday, we had Wednesday night church, Bible study at church. Friday, we had home group meetings. So I've been in home groups since I got saved. And then Saturday night, two weeks after I got saved, Somebody said, hey, we're going down uh, to pass out tracks down on J Street. You want to come? I said, sure. I was passing tracks out two weeks after I saved, witnessing to people, telling people they need Jesus. The little thing says, Jesus loves you, a little smiley face, and hand him out. This guy wanted to beat me up. And uh, I says, no, Jesus loves you. I mean, I mean, if you're going to beat me up, beat me up. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, Jesus loves you, you. know. And that guy, by the time I left, I just talked with him. I mean, I'm a brand-new Christian. You know what? The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Don't worry about what to say. The Holy Spirit will give it. You just love God, love people. I have so many other uh, things I could tell, but I know we're out of time. So uh, um, I just want to thank God, praise God, uh, you know.
4: Did anybody else just get saved again? (laughs) Wow, your enthusiasm is contagious. Wow, Bruce, that's amazing. What I love about our testimonies is that they transcend time, cultures, all that crazy, wonderful stuff. You know, the things that happen in our lives. The, the truth of how powerful God is shines through when we begin to share our story of what he's done in our hearts and our lives. And Pastor Gary asked me to, to come and share a little bit about what God um, did in my heart my life and some, some crazy things that happened while, we, while I was in Liberia. And uh, one, I want to say thank you. One, for your support um, for getting me there as a church. I appreciate you. And secondly, I want to say thank you so much for your prayers uh, because I felt them. I saw them come alive. uh, And it was one of the most life changing, powerful moments I've ever had. I'm still in recovery mode. And I woke up very early this morning thinking it was a lot later than it actually was. So. Uh, forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, groggy with, with what I'm going to share with you today, but um, <clears throat> it was powerful, it was amazing, and I had the opportunity to share my testimony, and like I said, my testimony and your testimony, it transcends cultural lines, and, you know, and then when people start to hear what Jesus did in your life, it doesn't, doesn't matter where you are in the world because it's your story. It's what Jesus did in your life. It's how he saved you, how he healed you, how he transformed you. And uh, for those of you that don't know my story, I was paralyzed at the age of 16 from the neck down. God healed me miraculously. People that had what I had, my condition, they don't, uh, they usually live a life with a condition, with a, a handicap for the rest of their life, and I'll share that story with you another time, but that gave me the opportunity to share with the, the churches in Liberia that it was a miracle that I got to stand before them. It was a miracle that I'm standing before you right now. And so being able to share my story, it didn't matter that I was the only white person that they had ever seen or that they were the only white person they had seen in years. It didn't matter because it was the story of how Jesus transformed my life and how I could look them in the eyes and tell them the same thing can happen with you. The same God that healed me, that saved me, that transformed my life is the same God that loves you, that wants to heal you, that wants to transform you, and cares for you. And so, one of the crazy stories is uh, we were on our way about seven hours from where we were staying into the bush in Africa. And uh, we went to visit a church that had been planted, a small church that was out there in a village. Uh, and uh, it was so funny, when I got out of the car, all the children looked at me like I was some kind of a ghost, because they had never seen a white man before, and they were like trying to rub, uh, they were trying to rub the white off of my skin. They were like, what's happening right now? Uh, and it was great. I have a couple videos of those, or pictures, and I'll show you those two another time. But um. While we were out there, it was a long trek, and the car that we had, we're driving, we were having some technical difficulties. The air conditioner cut out like two minutes into the trip, so it's Africa, it's hot, and we're like driving for hours with no air conditioner. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, and so we're, we're driving, and after we had left this village that we had driven so many hours to get to... Uh, we start having some technical difficulties. Like, it starts, like, the car is just stopping out of nowhere while we're driving, Uh, and we're literally in the middle of nowhere, and we're, like, wondering how we're going to get to where we need to go because we were going to go to a hotel a couple hours from where we were. And so we, we finally got back to where we needed to be, thankfully. And so then the next day we get up and we start heading down the road. Now, we're about three or four hours away from where we need to be, And all of a sudden, the car just stops. Just literally stops. Not like on the dirt road or a side road, like literally the main highway of the country. (laughs) And we're just sitting in the middle of the road... Trying to turn the car over, and I'm like, "What is happening right now?" In fact, the night before when this started happening, I just happened to have Wi-Fi for two seconds, and I was texting Hannah over there, and I was like, "Hannah, our car literally just stopped in the middle of the road. I need you to pray. Please pray right now that the car." And she's like, "Prayed for it," and then he turned the key, and the ignition like fired right up. I was like, "Whoa, that's that's the power of prayer. That was amazing." So we're we're here we are day the next day and we are literally stranded but we weren't stranded we literally had broken down in front of a mechanic shop and a parts store and it was so crazy because here we are and and all of a sudden like seven people come out of nowhere and they help us push the car and we're there and within like 45 minutes to an hour one of the guys replaced the fuel pump and, like, eight of the spark plugs on this, like, V8 car. I was like, now, that, Steve, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? That, that's very impressive. Like, I was, like, blown away. And it was so crazy because while this was all happening, Pastor Emmanuel, who was on the pastors that was driving us around, began to speak to the mechanics that were there and asking them, hey, do you go to church? You know where you go to church? And they said, oh, yeah, I used to go to church and da 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 and. And so he's like, yeah, you got to come to church, man. Like, I'm going to get your number, and we're going to pray for you and talk to you all about this. And through just a simple conversation, we were able to pray with these young men, and they rededicated their life to Christ. And one of the other, uh, one of the other mechanics, they, they just gave their life to Jesus, like right there on the spot. And it was like, it was insane because it was like, I'm, I'm watching this all happen, and like you'd think in that moment where you're stranded in another country and I'm going to die, and, like, nobody knows <laughs> where I am. <laughs> and, and this passage, it's like, whatever, it's just another day. And he just, you know, and it challenged me. It challenged me so much in my heart and my soul to wondering, what do I prioritize? What is really important? You know, and Jesus makes it very clear for it. it's, its people, people that need Jesus Souls, people that are lost, building the kingdom, and even though it was the most stressful situation, the pastor was like not even phased by it. He was like, "Yeah, it'll work itself out. Don't worry about it." It's like we're just going to talk to these people and tell them about Jesus. And and there was actually I have a picture. Uh, we found out not only was it a fuel pump, but it was a spark plug. Why don't you put that up there, Sean? Uh, if you're a mechanic, you'll probably understand this. Uh, that's the spark plug in one of the, and it's completely melted. It just literally was just. Gone like this. That's not supposed to look like that, Steve. Is that supposed to look like that, Steve? No, it's not supposed to look like that. Uh, and so that was that was uh, that was miracle number one, which was amazing because my brother, who was with me on the trip, was praying that God would would do a miracle, and I would definitely count that as a miracle because that was just that was unbelievable. Um, Sean, why don't you put up the next picture? I wanted to tell you about this man right here. This man, his name is Pastor Eric. And uh, Pastor Eric was the spiritual father to Pastor Emmanuel, who was the one that was driving us around. And so we got some motorbikes on Wednesday and drove out to his farm and talked to him. And I got to share my testimony about how I had been paralyzed, and he began to tell me his story about how he was paralyzed. He talked about how he got saved and when he started doing ministry and started preaching. And then one night, he had, him and his wife had been attacked while they were sleeping somebody broke into their house and somebody hit him with a rock on the back of his neck and he sustained a spinal injury woke up the next day and couldn't move anything from his waist down so he was told that he needed he went to a doctor and they told him hey you need to go to a hospital right now so they flew him out to ghana to get uh seen by a specialist and he was like god i don't i don't know what to do i don't know what's going to happen And he continued to pray, and he felt the Lord speak to him in an audible voice saying, if you go under the knife, you will remain paralyzed for the rest of your life. He said, don't do it. Everybody's telling him you need to do it. The chances, they were giving them statistics, the paperwork, everything was telling him he needed to get this surgery. But he felt like like the Lord had spoken to him that he didn't need to have that surgery. So he decided not to go through with it. And so he called all of his spiritual brothers and sisters to a prayer meeting when he got back. He said, "We all need to come together and we all need to pray." And so they're praying and they're praying and they're praying, and he felt like the Holy Spirit tell him to take his medical records and put them on the ground in front of them all. He was on crutches and he was dragging his he showed me how he was dragging his feet everywhere that he went, and he looked at his wife and he said, "The hour has come where the Lord is going to heal me." And he stood in front of the medical papers and he threw off his crutches and began to walk on the medical papers. And his And his legs became stronger than they were before. And he was standing in front of us and, you know, telling us a story. And, the, it, you know, just the scene of everything that was happening was I, literally when we showed up to his house, he was, like, beating a poisonous snake to death. Like, it had just, like, slithered its way and he's, like, just smacking it. I'm like wow, this is, uh, this is amazing. This is, uh, this is happening right now. That's great. That's fantastic. And, um, but he just shared. And, and that's what I, I want to encourage you as, you know, as you're hearing these stories this month, you have a story. And who is preventing you from telling your story to people? You know what I mean? And, and, and you don't have to be scared or ashamed of your story. And, and you don't even have to—here's the thing. For some of us, if you're afraid of telling people about Jesus or if you're afraid about sharing your testimony with people, listen, don't worry about that aspect of it. Just tell your story and see what Jesus does. I'm telling you, God's going to show up. God's going to give you, like Bruce said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to say. It's your story. Aren't you proud of your story? Aren't you excited about how God saved you? And it doesn't matter about that other person's situation that you're talking to. Just tell them your story and see how God is going to change you and transform you. I want to show you one quick, short little video of one of the churches that I got to preach at on a Sunday morning. And Sean, why don't you go play that, and I'll just kind of talk you guys through this before we continue on with the Selah. Try to do that again, Sean, because I was having a hard time there loading up there, buddy. Do you notice anything in there or not notice anything that's in there? Do you see any of this up there? None of this. None of the lights, none of anything. But I felt the presence and power of God there for real. For real. I will have the worship team come up as I finish up this. See, as I was on the trip and when I would have Wi-Fi, I would send a couple videos and pictures to some of the students, and they kept saying over and over and over again, they have so much joy. They are, they're so full of smiles. Look at the children. They're so happy. And yet they had nothing. Liberia is one of the poorest countries in the world. And yet you saw in that picture the joy, the children, the presence of God. That place was made out of, like, mud bricks and a tin roof. Like, it was, you know what I mean? The conditions were not where here we are with our comfortable seats and air conditioner and heat and all this kind of stuff. And that... That's the farthest thing from their mind. And everywhere that we went, one of the directors kept saying, this is not, this is not the church. This is not the church. You are the church. You are the church. And it kept, it kept reminding me about my priorities as a pastor. Maybe your priorities as a believer. Maybe you're, you're you know, we're going into uh, Thanksgiving, And talking about what we're thankful for and what God has done in our lives and how he's changed us and how he's transformed. And so as we're going into this season of of thanksgiving, we need to be reminded and we need to continually, not just on one day a year, but every day of our lives, be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness. See, those people didn't need any of this to meet with Jesus. And neither do you. Jesus wants to meet with you every day. Just like he does with Carol. Just like as Carol realized how much God wants to talk to her. How much God changed Bruce. How much Jesus walked with Tammy. Your stories are powerful. And God is powerful. Can I encourage you as we continue to do this... That you begin to practice sharing your story and begin to share your story with people. Because God He loves you, but He loves everybody. Everybody out there who needs Him. While we stand as we continue to go into worship, Jesus, we love you for your presence in this place. We love you because you died on the cross for our sins. Your word says that you loved us first. That's how we can even comprehend and understand that. So, Lord, I pray today that these next few moments, as we continue to, to soak in your presence, that, Lord, Lord, I'm asking that you remind every person in this place of the moment that you took them out of darkness and brought them into the marvelous light. God, I pray, can you do that right now? Lord, can you remind them of the trials that they've been through and how you've walked with them through the way? That, Lord, that they looked like nothing that we would expect that you would want, and yet you still pursued us. Jesus, maybe there are some of us here that had nothing to do. Maybe we were fighting against you, God, but yet you still came after us. Some of us have stories where, God, if we told people, they would be be blown away. Some of us have experienced so much trauma and pain and issues and things that I've gone through, but Jesus, you healed us, you changed us, you transformed us. How can we not praise you? How can we not glorify your name in this place? So, Jesus, bring back to remembrance the countless and the wonderful works of your hands. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. May we sing of your great works and your great kindness, O oh Lord. I encourage you in these next few moments. To praise from that position of gratitude, of thankfulness for your salvation, for thankfulness for the presence of God, the thankfulness of the miracles and breakthroughs and transformation. And begin to believe that God can continue to do that. We're going we're to take the Lord's uh, Supper here in a few moments, but we're just going to worship right now. We'll give you some instruction of that in a little bit. Let's worship Him.